listening to KDXL LP. Experience Liberty Radio in Las Vegas on 101.1 FM. Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to, we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. From outrage to the outrageous. So we're going to talk about to start the show today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Fertile Show. I'm Crystal Heath. You can find me on Twitter and the Facebook at The Frittle. If you are on social media and want to get in touch with me that way, thank you for being here today. Appreciate you tuning in. You're listening to 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church. If you are in Las Vegas, you want to be here, 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard, 6... Yeah, I just said 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard. It's the Liberty Baptist Church at 8.30 a.m. A.m. I can't, I cannot speak today. We're going to be having our family soul winning outreach. See, again, I Elm, it's like Elmer Fudd has invaded. For all you know, he could be sitting in this room. Anyhow, let's just, let's just try again. 8.30, Saturday morning, our family soul winning outreach breakfast. The big one. The one that's so good you're not even hungry for lunch. It's the one with the cheesy potatoes and the eggs and the bacon. Oh, the bacon at these things is just so good. The bacon alone makes it worth coming. Unless you don't like bacon, in which case, uh, come anyway. And we have lots of other delicious, yummy food that you can eat. That's 8.30 Saturday. All right, let's jump right in here because what I really want to get to is I want to talk about Shavuot. But before we get to Shavuot... I want to talk about outrage and the outrageous. We live in a culture of perpetual outrage. It's like the millennial uh, modus operandi, if you will. Every time it seems you turn around or you turn on your TV, someone somewhere is outraged about something. I believe that much of what our American culture chooses to outrage over is hardly worthy of said outrage. Next week, I'm going to tell you a story about uh, the LSU mascot and some outrage that's happening there. This will be one of those types of outrage that is just outrageous outrage. But first, let's talk about something that we should actually be outraged about. But somehow, doesn't seem that most people are. And when I say most people, I'm not talking about the press per se. I, I feel that the press has actually done a decent job of covering this one, which surprised me. And it's not even a left or a right issue. I feel that most people on the left and the right in, in politics and that are on TVs have done a decent job of covering this issue. I mean the general populace of this country. Those who will protest... For baby seals dying or sign petitions to outlaw the Constitution because somehow it infringes upon their constitutional rights. And yet, this, you know, 
We don't talk about this one so much. And that is the fact that an American television icon, Kathy Griffin, who thought it would somehow be considered art or comedy if she posted a photo of herself with a fake, uh, decapitated, bloodied head of a president, that president, of course, being Donald Trump, uh, that this has been done in that the people of the United States don't seem to be taking a big issue to this. Here's why this is this is such a big deal. Here's why this is, if you want something to be outraged about, here's one for you. This is one you should be outraged about. You live in a state of outrage, right? Be outraged about something you should actually be outraged about. Here's Here's my three issues with this whole thing. First off, how long it took CNN to end its contract with her for their New Year's Eve program and other uh, um, contributing roles. It took them a whole day to decide that they were going to fire her. That's too long. This is not a hard decision to make. CNN is the ones... The ones, the one who spent hours covering a rodeo clown who wore an Obama mask while Barack Obama was president. And they spent literally hour after hour after hour on each and every one of their programs talking about how inappropriate that was. And eventually ended up getting said rodeo clown fired because of it. But you have one of your own contributors holding a bloodied, decapitated, fake head of the president, which is beyond inappropriate, is vile, disgusting, and depraved. And it took them a whole day to determine, you know, whether or not that was something that they could, you know. The the first thing they had, well, eventually Griffin issued an apology, and then CNN was like, oh, we're so glad to see that she's issued an apology. Imagine, imagine, if you will, If anyone in conservative media, pick your favorite one, Mark Levin, uh, Sean Hannity, Bill O'Reilly, who's not even, well, I won't go there, Glenn Beck, but it would have to be someone lesser known, really, to to equate with with Kathy Griffin. It would be more of like, you need a a conservative-leaning comedian. I would say Tim Allen, but he's way better known than Kathy. I don't even have an equivalent. But just imagine any conservative who is has any level of fame. If they had held up a bloody, decapitated, fake head of President Obama. Can you imagine that for a moment? Imagine for a moment what would be happening in our country today if a conservative had done that. My personal guess is that there would be rioting, there would be looting, that conservative would have been fired within hours, if not moments, of that becoming public. That person's career would forever be destroyed, and the news would be talking about it 24 hours a day for at least three days in a row. It would have been just as wrong and disgusting and depraved and vile as what happened with Kathy Griffin and and Donald Trump, but the media would be freaking out. All of the media. And they should be. Because in today's world, holding up a 
bloody decapitated head of anyone, let alone the president, is hardly something that is either artistic or humorous. Real men, real women, real fathers and mothers are being beheaded by terrorists around the world. This is not something to joke about, particularly when it comes to the president of the United States. Then secondly, there's Baron Trump. Donald and Melania Trump's 11-year-old son. TMZ ran a story that's been re-reported by numerous reliable sources that says Barron and Melania Trump were watching TV and the picture of Kathy Griffin holding this fake bloody decapitated head flashed on the screen, which, by the way, if you haven't seen it, it looks very real and very disturbing. I would keep your children away from it if at all possible. And the report is or goes along the lines of that Baron thought that this was actually his dad, that he panicked when he saw it and screamed, um, this kid is 11 years old. I don't care if your dad is the president or your mom was a supermodel or if they're Democrats or Republicans. I don't care what you think of the Trumps personally or politically. It doesn't matter. This is offensive, inappropriate, and outrageous. Again, you want outrage, snowflakery, outrage culture? And I generally avoid the term snowflake because I believe it's silly and derogatory and misused by both sides of the aisle. But in this case, step right up to the plate, snowflakes of both Democratic and Republican flavor. This is your moment. You love outrage? Here's an actual issue that you could be rightfully outraged about. A child having to see something like this. And some people are saying, oh, well, Barron didn't actually see it. The White House made that up and they're using their child as a prop for political purposes. I'm sorry, so what you're saying then is that it's okay to do this as long as Barron didn't see it? No. It's outrageous and wrong regardless. And, and, even if it were made up and Barron didn't actually see it at home, which I'm not saying, by the way, but even if that narrative were true, you don't think he's going to see this at school? You don't think someone's going to show this to him? I guarantee you that he's seen this. The age of technology, with all of its greatness and vast wonder, has also too often made children and childhood cruel. And my third issue with this Kathy Griffin thing comes from Title 18 of the U.S. Code. Part 1, Chapter 41, 871. Threats against president and successors to the presidency. A. Whoever knowingly and willfully deposits for conveyance in the mail, and then it goes on, basically, if you attempt to send anything uh, that could be damaging to the president via mail in the forms of um, uh, powder or whatever, that you can be jailed. It also says, then... Whoever knowingly and willfully makes any such threat against the any threat against the president, president-elect, vice president, or other officer next in the order of secession to the office of president or vice president-elect shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than five years, or both. I should go back to the beginning. Whoever knowingly and willfully deposits for conveyance in the mail or for a delivery from any post office or by any letter carrier, any letter, paper, writing, print, missive, or document containing any threat to take the life of, to kidnap, or to inflict bodily harm upon the President of the United States, President-elect, so on and so forth, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than five years or both. Now, 
based on previous Supreme Court rulings, there was uh, once this guy during the Vietnam conflict who said when he was drafted that he would not go. And if he was forced to go, the first person that would be in his sights would be uh, then-President Lyndon Johnson. The Supreme Court ruled that his intent was not actually to kill the president, but that he was uh, just expressing frustration and anger. And so the Supreme Court said, well, in these instances, we need to look at intent, see if they are actually meaning that they want to kill the president, and then that determines how we uh, interpret uh, uh, Title 18. So, bottom line, does Kathy Griffin want to personally attempt to kill the president? I would say probably not. I don't think that she has necessarily broken the law. But that said, what exactly is the motive of a person that might cause them to behave in this manner to hold up a fake, bloody, decapitated head of the president? Because you want said president to live long and prosper? I mean, you want people to respect them? You want people to be more aware of of their actions and activities? I mean, somehow, none of these reactions come to mind when you see this photo. And my guess would be that this wasn't Griffin's thought process when planning this spectacle. And if she truly found it a humorous art form, I'm going to need someone to explain to me both the humor and the art in this tasteless, classless act. But again, kudos to those in both media and politics on the left, most especially, since Kathy Griffin tends very far to the left, and the right, for calling this one out. And not just letting it go by. I I don't understand why more Americans don't have a problem with this. Because you should. This isn't something to joke about. You don't joke about people being beheaded. And you definitely do not joke about the president being beheaded. As Chelsea Clinton tweeted, I've never been more in agreement with Chelsea Clinton. She said that the photo was vile and wrong and that it is never funny to joke about killing a president. Well said, Chelsea, well said. Okay, so I know that I said said earlier this week that we were going to have Heather Hopped on the show today to talk about her new book, but I had forgotten that we are in the midst of the Shavuot Festival. And we interviewed my good friend George DeJong last year about Shavuot, and... I want to re-air this interview for you in our next segment because it's just uh, so good and so insightful and so relevant. And then we're going to save Heather uh, for next week, so be sure to tune in next week for that. I think we may also have uh, Greg Smalley, and that's a name that you should recognize if you are familiar with Focus on the Family at all. But uh, Greg Smalley is going to be joining us, I believe, next week as well. So we'll have some really good uh, big interviews for you next week. But for now, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a minute, and we will have that interview with Pastor George coming up in just a few moments. And welcome back. You're listening to The Frittle Show on KVXL 101.1 FM here in Las Vegas. My good friend, Pastor George DeJong. Is it DeJong or DeYoung or DeFruit? De, de, de I don't, I don't, I still don't know how to say your name. <laughs> that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter, Kathy. Um, <laughs> Points uh, for no, you. Yeah, I got to get a little zinger in there for you. Hey, good morning. Good to be with you. Good morning. It's good to have you here. So, are you coming or going? For those of you that don't know, uh, Pastor George is the head of Under the Fig Tree Ministries, and he's here, there, and everywhere around the world. Do you have a trip coming up in a couple of days, or did you just get back from one? I know it's one or the other. No, um, I. 
yes and yes. Yes, I just got back from a trip, and I leave on Sunday um, oh. to lead another group to Egypt, Jordan, and Israel uh, on one of our biblical study tours. And, um, you know, just, just a word about that, Crystal. Um, that, that's, a, that's a characteristic of what we do. These are biblical study tours mm. that have a devotional aspect to it, but there's a number of tours that you can go on uh, to the land of the Bible or to Israel that would be fundamentally devotional tours, but um, but not necessarily study tours. This is this these, what we lead our biblical study tours, and and I think that's probably one of the reasons that our relationship has continued over the several years since you've been walking with me, because it's really designed for understanding text in context. It really is, and I'm going to brag on you for just a minute. You are an excellent, uh, not just a good pastor, but you're a very good teacher, and you, you. you bring things to life from the Bible, and I, I think it probably helps that you have such a great backdrop to do that. You know, you're like actually in mm-hmm. the Bible lands, but you just have a great way of expounding uh, the truth, and, and you know, when you say study tour, you make it sound a little bit hard, and you should, because it is a little bit hard, but it's also extremely fun. So, and I don't want to yeah. give things away because I know that no. uh, we don't give things away, but I'm just telling you, if you ever want to see the land of the Bible and get dirty and have a great time and learn a lot, then this is the trip yeah. you want to go on. Uh, cause, and, and honestly, I think we went for two and a half weeks when I went with you. I learned yeah. more in those two weeks than I did, I think, in, in two years of 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 Bible school. So, you know, it's just, it's a phenomenal ministry that you guys have, and we really appreciate that. Thank you so much. You know, and, and just to talk about that, because I know um, there's something else we'd like to talk about, but yes, when we talk about biblical study tours, and it sounds like it can be kind of hard, it it's a good kind of hard. Right. I, I like to tell my people, when God got to name his people, he didn't call them the Shalomite, the peace people, <laughs> or the Ahabites, the love people. He could have named them. We we had two. My daughter just had a son, and and they got to name him. The name they, they, the name they chose for him was Reese. And, and but when God got to choose a name for His people, He called us the Israelites. And Israelite means struggle with God. And mm. we don't become we don't become what God visions us to become unless it involves some struggle. That's why losing weight is a struggle. That's why gaining a, another degree is struggle. And that's why advancing that work is a struggle. And that's why even relationships, marriages, and friendships are have a struggle. And and uh, the, the characteristic about about our lives and becoming who God visions us to be. I, I know our, our culture and our world so much wants to make everyone comfortable. And, and when we have struggle, we even question the character of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet when God named his people, he called us the Israelites, and we struggle with God. Now, I can go on and on about that one. Just let me land the plane and say there's a big difference between struggling with God or struggling against God. Mm. And he called us the Israelites. We struggle with him. And that's what these tours are. They're, they're, and that's what we do. And that's, I think that's why uh, I, I tell people that any trip you go on to the lands of the Bible, to Israel, you're, you're going to have a great time. How could you not? Yeah. They'll have an amazing time. What what characterizes our tours, and I think the reason why God continues to put people on our tours, is because uh, through our context, um, lives are are, are changed, yeah. and we have story after story of people whose lives are changed because of not just what they learn, but how they learn it. But hey, enough about that. You you wanted me here for what reason? To, for well, something? well, well. Honestly, I could just let you keep talking about your tours all morning because I really enjoy hearing you say tours because you say it like. 
two tours. I can't even say it the way you say because you have like Canadian <laughs> Minnesota accent thing going on. Show. Yeah, you, yes, tours. Anyway, um, so <laughs> yes, that wasn't actually why we had you here today, but it's always fun to to talk about everything with you actually. But uh, mm-hmm. and this one, I'm going to pronounce it wrong probably because some biblical terms I find easy to pronounce, others I struggle with, especially when I, you know you get to like the genealogies. But it's uh, is it Shavuot? Is that how you say it? Shavuot? Well, there you go. See, now kind of close. You're, you're going to say it like an American, and I'll say it like a Canadian, and neither of us are Jewish. <laughs> so we'll let our Jewish friends correct both of us. But All right. The way I understand it, it's Shavuot. It's not Shavuot. <laughs> Shavuot. <laughs> Shavuot. Um, okay. Pentecost. Yeah. Um, uh, Pentecost are um, not, not what we call Pentecost. Shavuot was um, was uh, this past Saturday, I believe, June 11th. Yes. And. Uh, um, and you and you would like me to? Do you, do you want me just to ramble on for I, a few moments? Yeah, I, that would <laughs> that would be great. Yes, that was my question, but you know we didn't get okay. through the pronunciation. Tell us what is. I think people, you know, when we think Pentecost, we think New Testament, yeah. we think flames of fire, yeah. tongues of fire. We don't really know what um, Shavuot is, and Shavuot. Uh, yeah. Shavu- <laughs> yeah, that no worries, name is. We don't know what Maybe it is. You got it. Well, so tell um, us what it is. Well, and, and that's and again to talk about what we do and why we do it. My life was changed um, dramatically the first time I went to the lands of the Bible with the teacher I had, who who taught in context and understood mm-hmm. that the Bible comes in a context that, and um, the Bible was written for us, but it wasn't written to us. Um, let me just say that one more time. The Bible was written for us, but it wasn't written to us. So it was written to a people thousands of years ago who spoke a different language, who lived in a different world than we do. Sure. Now, uh, what that means is that you and I, we have to go and get it. Um, and that's part of what's coming on a, a study tour. Or that's what going to college or Bible college or getting your Master of Divinity or whatever. All these are efforts to go and, and receive the Bible on its own terms. So what you and I know as Pentecost, um, which is the Greek word, that's the New Testament was written in Greek. The Greek word Pentecost means 50th. And that's the Greek word that's used to translate the Hebrew word Shavuot. And, um, and the word Shavuot means weeks. And, and um, Shavuot is, is celebrated in, in Israel even to, the, to this day. There's a special meal. Uh, it's kind of like a Sabbath where uh, minimal or no work is done. Um, but there's an interesting tradition. Not all not all Jewish people do it, but there's an inter- interesting tradition of what a number of them do on Shavuot. They spend the night reading the Bible. Mm. And of the portions of the Bible they read, or the Torah, is the, certainly most certainly the book of Ruth. Um, and we can, we can talk about that an, another time, why Ruth. Uh, but they read the Bible, and that's what I like to pick up on. Why, why of all these feasts, this particular feast, Shavuot, would they read their Bible? Hmm. Well, the reason for that is is that is that Jewish tradition has it that God gave His Torah in Hebrew. We call it Matan Torah. He gives His Torah, the giving of the Torah, to His people on Shavuot. And and you know the story in in, in the uh, Exodus 20, 21, 22, 22, um, Moses climbs. Mount Sinai and the people are at the base, and Moses enters into the cloud, and 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 uh, the people are at the base, and Moses is up in the cloud receiving the Torah, receiving God's word, and as it's being written on the stone, and 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 
and now I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but it, it, it continues on, and, and, and Moses is up there for 40 days, and, and uh, Moses doesn't realize it. He, he's up there. He's having a great time, and he's, he's with God. And all of a sudden, God says to Moses, I just have to stop. And Moses says, why? I do, this is so, I, he says, I can't handle the noise. Mm-hmm. And, and Moses says, what noise? I don't hear I'll just start going down the hill. You'll see it. You'll hear it. And Moses begins going down Sinai, and, and, and he encounters Joshua. And Joshua shakes tears in his eyes and shaking his oh, oh, Moses, you wouldn't believe. And Moses goes down further, and he, he, there he hears it. And he takes the Ten Commandments. He takes the two tablets of the Word of God, and he smashes them on the ground because he sees the people dancing around the golden calf. The people, you see, thought that Moses would never return, and and they made a god to worship them, and, and then and then and then there was a there, justice had to be rendered, and, and and this offense had to be paid for, and, and and Moses, I see Moses angry, yes, but with great tears in his eyes, saying, "Who will stand with me?" And then the tribe of Levi, the Levites said, "We'll stand with you," and and, and Moses said, "Who'll gird, gird on their swords?" And so the Levites girded on their swords. And, and then, and then Moses took the calf and ground it up in dust and made people drink it. And somehow it gave, according to the text, evidence in their bodies that 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 there was impurity in their lives. That there was something that something that they were the ones who had worshipped the calf inappropriately, and and and, and even worshipping the calf. And, and so the Levites began to go through the camp, and and um, and I think that they had great tears in their eyes because the Levites are are executing God's judge, justice and judgment mm-hmm. on those who were so offended. And these are the ones who endured the, seven, the ten plagues with them. These are the ones who crossed the Red Sea with them. These are the ones who they shared manna with. Um, these are the same people that—and that, and so what, what do they do? And they go through, and, and that day was, um, was, a, was killing of, of 3,000 people. Mm-hmm. And, and there at Sinai, this magnificent picture of, of Mount Sinai and Moses at the top, and there was and there was fire and lightning and there was thunder and 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 um, all all going on. But the whole Shavuot is the giving of Torah and, and the giving of God's word. And 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 the story has such a sad twist to it because the story kind of culminates with the killing of the three thousand. Moses goes back up the mountain and receives receives God's word again and, and, and comes down and, and people build the tabernacle. And so that's the story of Pentecost, or of, of, pardon me, of Shavuot. It's the, it's the receiving of, of, God's, of God's word, the receiving of the Torah. Now, if I can, um, in, when, when, the New Testament, when the New Testament was written, and, and, and we learn about the story of Pentecost in the book of Acts, and Acts is written by Luke, and Luke has a gospel after his name as well. So he's the author of both of those books, Luke Acts. When Luke talks about Shavuot, he, he talks about Pentecost. Mm. And the story unfolds in chapter 2, where uh, the disciples and the followers of Jesus are in the temple, and they're praying. And and suddenly, the temple is filled. There's a sound of a rushing wind. Now, in Hebrew, in Hebrew, the word for wind is ruach. Mm-hmm. And the word for wind is also, ruach, is also the word for spirit. So you could say that the temple was filled with the spirit of God. And then, and then, and then there was fire. And, and we have two elements that you have back at, at Sinai. You have wind, and you have the spirit of God, and you have, you have fire, which is a sign of the presence of fire, uh, the presence of God, pardon me. And so God's presence, and then that fire breaks off into little tongues of fire. 
which is really interesting because as those tongues of fire go on God's people, they begin to speak different languages. Now, in Exodus, the thunder that's mentioned there in Hebrew is called kolot, and kolot is a Hebrew word for thunder, yes, but also voices, languages. And there is a tradition that God offered the Torah to all the people of the world. They all could understand it, but they all refused it. And there was mm. only one people that accepted it, and they were the Jewish people. They were the Hebrews at the base of Sinai. We will, we will do all that you will say, is what they say to God. And so here you have, in, in, in this story, um, uh, the Spirit of God, and you have the fire of God, the presence of God. You have tongues. And then what's really interesting to me, Crystal, and, and in preparing for our little time together, I was rereading that Acts account of the story, and it said when the, the Luke said it this way, when the day of Pentecost came, and, and that's, a, that's an NIV translation, which is kind of, um, it's not wrong, it's just kind of empty, because mm-hmm. really, one translation has it, when the day of Pentecost fully came, mm-hmm. and, and that gets more closer, um, the, the Greek word that translators are struggling with there, and some just skip over, it um, is and is a word only used by Luke in his gospel. He's used it in Acts, but he also uses it in chapter 8. is the word that's used to describe the boat in which Jesus was sleeping that was being swamped. It's translated as swamped. In other words, the day of Pentecost, according to Luke, was it was so swamped that what the day was so full it was so it was so it was so full and so I, I and 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 then you have you have the breathing of the spirit the spirit of God is poured out on people and who are they poured out on well the word of God had already come in Jesus Christ the word had become made flesh so there was almost as if there was a body of people already there there was a body there but it hadn't been enlivened yet now I go back to Genesis. Where, where God formed the body out of the dust of the earth. Now he formed the body through his son, Jesus Christ. And God had been having an inhale over the millennia. And he could hardly wait till the day of Pentecost when he could finally exhale. And he could breathe into the body of Christ and the presence of God. And they became alive. And you need to know, you need to know, according to Luke, that this happened on Pentecost, that this happened on Shavuot. And as an exclamation mark, how many people came to life that day? How many people came to a living knowledge of Jesus Christ? 3,000. 3,000. And so there's a connection between the two. And that's how God, at just the right time, I I tell my people, you know, sometimes my, I just had to do a funeral uh, last week. um, And and, uh, of course with funerals, um, some you can some you can just you just know you I mean you can look at the fruit of the tree and others you you don't know there's not much fruit in the tree in fact you wonder if the tree is alive at all and then you'll have the dear parents or family members come with you and George do you think he's in heaven and I say I, I don't know that's up to God but I'll tell you this there's nobody who wants us in heaven more than God does mm. and I see God pouring out His Spirit on the body of Christ so that we that we would be His living word. 
I, I don't know if I taught this when you were on the trip with me, Crystal, but this has become really strong in my heart, is that God doesn't want people to bring a message anymore. Don't bring a message. Don't bring a message. What he's looking for is people who are the message. Mm. And I'm telling you, I've spent, I spent 30 years of crafting messages of sermons, and, 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 and I'm telling my people almost every Sunday, listen, we're, we're not here to see how well George does with the text. We're not here in order to learn uh, so that just just so that we can learn. We're here to learn in order that we might live so that the word might become flesh, and that we are the body of Christ and that and that God has breathed into us the breath of life so that when people encounter us broken and flawed as we are, um, they are encountering Jesus. And so for Shavuot, um, at Pentecost, the same Greek way of saying a Hebrew term. Um, and on both of these events, it's the giving of God's Word, yes, but for us it's the giving of God's Word in Jesus Christ. And Jesus had to go so that His Spirit could be poured upon us, and I see the body of Jesus Christ being enlivened like God had enlivened that very first man in the garden. And now we go and we live as God's image bears. Well, there you go. That's that's enough. I hammered on. <laughs> no, so, that was that yeah. was fantastic. I love how you are able to take scripture and see things in the Old Testament and see things in the New Testament and put them together. I think that's a a lost art. Was that the stringing of pearls? It's a lost art in in Christianity today to to recognize the truth of the Old Testament and how it is is alive and how God uses it again and just repeats himself in the New Testament. It's just incredible Amen. to me. I've Amen. literally never heard it explained that way or made that parallel or the connection between the 3000 at Sinai and the 3000 at Pentecost. And I'm sitting here and I'm like you know you can go on a trip with this man and you can listen to this and learn this for for hours of every day and it really just it transforms the way i think that you read the bible and that you think about the bible and all of a sudden you know you start that was the one thing after i went on a trip with you when i would read the new testament all of a sudden i would see things and be like wait a second i remember this somewhere before and and then go back and to see it in the old testament and then to see the parallels it's it's incredible and I don't think that's yeah. something that we, as as modern Christians, do very often. But I appreciate how you always do that. Well, you bless me, and 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 really, and for me, I'm 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 really quite a simple person, and and, and yes, that I is true. I can it, attest to that. <laughs> you didn't have to answer quite so quickly. You could have phone there, but um, but it's it's all pictures. It's yeah. all pictures. And so when you and I walked in Egypt, and we we looked at the pyramids and we said, what, what, why a pyramid? Why are they so big? And hieroglyphs, the way they would communicate. These are all pictures. And and um, um, and, and uh, there, are, there are scholars who can trace the, the relationship between hieroglyphs and, and ancient Hebrew script. Mm. And, and each Hebrew letter is, is a picture. So the question then, I say on my, on my trips, if the only thing, hopefully you get more, but it's the only thing that you walk away from this trip with regarding the Bible is asking the text questions. Why is that there, and why do I need to know that? Like, for our Pentecost thing was soon playing all of my, um, I, I just looked at that this morning. I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. Look mm. at this. And it just it, it just speaks to a God who is so passionately alive with us. Mm-hmm. I tell my people, I tell my people, listen, um, when God was confronted 
confronted with an eternity without you. When he's confronted with that reality, when Adam and Eve walked out of that garden, and God is confronted with the eternity without you, I see God saying, what do I have to give to get my image bearers back? What do I have to give? Galaxies? Uh, universes? How many angels? How many hosts of angels? And, and, and I, I just see Jesus coming forward. He said, Father, none of it would be enough, but I will go. And I tell my people, in the economy of God, every one of you and all of you are worth Jesus to God. And if he had to do it again, he doesn't. But if he did, he would. Mm-hmm. God doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants. He doesn't want anyone to. He didn't send Jesus to condemn. And so to me, it, it's just, it's, it's pictures, pictures. And that's, I, you know, I stand with the psalmist who said, my boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places. I know that full well. And I have the honor of, of leading these study trips and, and, and understanding the text and its historical, geographical, as well as its literary context. So, so there you go, Crystal. Thank you so much again for, for having me on and, uh, and, and for uh, lifting up our little ministry. And um, it, it, it's been an honor. You know what? I should come out there sometime, and maybe rather than doing it over the phone, we should, we should just be face-to-face and do this sometime. I'd love to do that. That would be fantastic. You are welcome in Las Vegas anytime. We would love to have you. And then if I actually get you in studio, we're just going to record for like three hours straight, and then I'll chop it up into little pieces. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. So if people want to Thanks learn more or they're interested in going on a, on a trip with you, where can they do that? They can go to, um, of course, www.underthefigtree.org is our website. And, um, uh, you know, you know what? I, I'll tell you what. Can I, can I just take a few more minutes? Sure. Um, and can I make a plug for one of our very special trips? Go for it. Um, I think it's the Heart of God uh, Tour, and I love this one, so I'm hoping that's where you're okay, headed. Okay, it is the Heart of God Tour. Okay. Um, and and um, we we host a tour called the Heart of God Tour for and and, and it expresses the heart of Under the Fig Tree Ministries and um, uh, because because um, I'm kind of an underdog. I mean, I for mm-hmm. me, academia was swimming uphill against the current. Uh, and and because I learn differently, I'm a picture person, and 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 our culture really emphasizes the abstract kind of learning. But sure. be that as it may, I always had this heart for for those who just you know just to, so what we've done is this will be this October we leave or end of September we leave for our heart of God trip, and our heart of God trip is for those uh, people with cognitive issues like Down's, Asperger's, autism, um, um, moderate high functioning. And mm-hmm. to come with us, and we'll we'll we go to um, Israel and uh, Jordan and Egypt, and we have a tour specifically designed for them. It's my favorite tour. Earlier in our conversation, we talked about how people come to the Middle East, and and on these tours, their lives are changed. Um, on all the tours I've led for well over almost 20 years, being a part of tours. Um, there's never been a tour that has so changed the Middle East as the Heart of God tours. Hmm. Um, when my Muslim friends uh, and my Jewish friends see these dear ones who so love Jesus come up and just it's, just, it's just powerful, it's moving. And so we have a tour going. So for your listeners, um, there's still some space available on that tour. And, um, and also uh, through the gifts of, of Friends of the Ministry, um, who are so committed to this tour, um, there are also some scholarship 
monies available. So uh, moderate to high functioning, and there's all kinds of parameters. There's information or at least a way to find out more about the tour if people are interested. Um, and we still have some room. And with tours, you usually need to get them filled about three months before you leave. And so we're coming to that point, and we have a couple of slots left open. So I, I would rather have them filled than empty. So um, yeah. we'll, see, we'll see what God gives. But so here's a, here's, under the here's yep. two tour-specific questions for you. One, obviously you guys are in um, uh, Michigan. And yeah. So anyone from anywhere in the United States or anywhere in the world can go on these tours. It doesn't matter where you're uh, embarking from, from your from your city or right. your airport? Right. We, we would want to have a conversation with everyone. So it, it's open. But we just want to make sure that that you know um, that the that this is that this is God's will. This is God's provision. This is God's blessing on your life. So sure. we just want to make sure that um, that the right people are on the tour. In the sense that you know, there's some realities. You got to fly on a plane for at least nine hours. Then we, we transfer in Istanbul, and you'll get another three-hour flight to uh, Cairo or or to Tel Aviv. Um, and and your you know our people. You know, this is one of the most prayed over tours, and we've we've had nothing but blown successes on these tours. Um, but yes, uh, they're, they're, please, I mean, don't. I, this is what I find in ministry, and this is what I find about the goodness of God. People say no way before God does. Mm. I just don't get that. Um, I think God says, "There's so much I have in heaven for you, and He just never asked. You just said no before I did." Right. Trust me, but God would say no. So, um, for your listeners. Don't say no before God. But give us give us an email, and we'll have a conversation with you. And this is this is obviously under the fig trees is is, is a uh, a ministry set to glorify Jesus Christ. Understanding text and context, and it, we call it heart of God because there's nothing I like doing more than making God smile. And I'm telling you, if you want to bless me as a parent, bless my kids. You want to bless yeah. God as a parent, bless his kids. Yeah. And um, and then and so it, it's really to make God smile. But I have learned, I have seen, Crystal, I have seen um, that the body of Christ, there are ways and places that these special ones uh, can bring the gospel of Jesus Christ in ways that I can't. Yeah. And, and, and I just believe in the power of God's Word, filled by His Spirit, through the obedient lives of His peer, people, and I'm telling you, world's sake. So, yeah. underthefigtree.org. Thanks for the plug. Yeah, well, one more question, because this is the one that I think everyone asks, whether it's in relation to your tour or any other tour. Is it safe to travel to the Middle East right now? Well, you know, I, I, I thank you for that question. And um, yes and no. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yes, it's safe to go over there. Otherwise, we wouldn't go. I sure. tell my people that, you know, we're not down to force. We're not peacekeeping. We're not the <laughs> U.N. Um, it, it is um, we have uh, we have for years uh, a police presence on the bus. That's been that was before Arab Spring um, in in, uh, in Jordan and in uh, uh, in Egypt. Uh, we have police escort. Um, our route has been all approved so that the, the Egyptian government can guarantee our safety as best as they possibly can. Now, the, do crimes common to man happen? Yes, um, but we've we've had no incidents on our trip. Um, and that's including, you know, going to the Sinai. Now, when I say Sinai, um, if there's a if there's a if there's a tornado in Houston, Texas, uh, you, you know, <laughs> you're not going to say it's not safe to go to Texas. Right. Um, sure. Sinai is a big place, and yeah. so when we when we hear Sinai over here, we tend to think categorically the whole thing. No, we only go where it's safe. 
So yes, of course, it's safe. Otherwise, we wouldn't go. And we have changed the itinerary. I've been done this for so many years um, that with the relationships we have, um, uh, we, we can change our itinerary. And really, there's no way you can lose because I, I started doing two weeks in just Israel. Then I did two weeks Israel, Jordan. Now I do two weeks Egypt, Jordan, Israel. So, I mean, we have lots of places we can go to, and you'll never lose. I mean, you never yeah. lose. Yeah, no. On the other hand, on the other hand, it's it's not safe. I mean, sure. it's not. I mean, um, it's the Middle East um, on that hand. But as events of this past weekend reveal, it's not safe here either. Sure. Um, and and with uh, here in our neck of the woods, um, Memorial Day weekend over in Chicago, which is just a little drive for us here. And so many of my people go there for the weekend to stop or go to a theater or, or something. I mean, I, I heard numbers like 69, 70 people were stopped or murdered in Chicago. So mm-hmm. you know what? The safest place to be is the center of God's will. And I really think, don't say no before God does. Bring it to God in prayer. Is this his will for you? And and one of the first things I tell people on the bus when they when we land in the lands um, is, listen, you didn't pay for this trip. You did not pay for this trip. I don't work for you. <laughs> and what, what you have done is you have stewarded your money in such a way that God can bless you with this trip. Mm. And I work, I work for him. So I really think whether, whether it's a weekend in Chicago or it's going to Orlando or it's going with me to Cairo, I think you need to make a night of prayer. And, mm-hmm. and then ask God to give you the shalom of knowing what it is where he wants you, when he wants you, and when he wants you there. And then when you're in God's will, regardless of the context, you are in absolutely the safest place you possibly can be. So I hope that helps. And I'm, I don't want to sound like a salesman. I, 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 I get a little frustrated when the Middle East gets such magnified media attention yeah. when, when what happens over there happens in some of our larger cities all the time it's just that we don't see it and it's not given for us the same way sure we would not go if it's not safe yeah all right well there there i think you have well uh, summarized that as uh, you have well summarized everything that we've discussed today so it's under the fig tree.org if you'd like more information and, you, and you, even if you can't go on a trip uh pastor george has a bunch of different study materials and videos and different things that you could download and uh and use to get to know his ministry as well so thank you george i really appreciate you being here today and uh god bless and safe travels for your next uh your next adventure Thanks, Crystal, and to you, too. All right. Thank you. All right. We are wrapping things up here on The Frittle Show this Thursday. Hope you enjoyed that interview with George on Shavuot. I I did. I always enjoy uh, speaking with George. Again, that was a that was a re-air of a program that we did with George last year. I wasn't able. He's traveling. I wasn't able to get him live this year, but hopefully next month he He's told me that he will come soon. He just couldn't be here this week. So I didn't want to miss it since we are in the midst of Shavuot currently. And uh, it's a fun thing to research. It's good to know and to understand the Bible in the context of when it was written and to whom it was written. And when we understand Shavuot, that gives us a greater understanding of Pentecost and of our God and of Jesus. And that's just awesome to me. The more we can learn about God the more we can fall in love with him, right? Because if you love somebody, you spend time with them, you want to know all about them, 
So let's do that. Let's spend some time with God. And do if you want a little fun research, do some research. Find out why the Jewish people will read the book of Ruth at this time of year during Shavuot. Go, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. Go do, some, go do some Googling. I think you could have some fun with that. All right. It's your chance to get in the show. Focus on the Family is launching auditions across America to find the next Adventures in Odyssey voice. Kids ages 6 to 15 can audition for a chance to win a trip for four to the Bahamas during the Focus on the Family 40th anniversary cruise in November of 2017. During the cruise, the grand prize winner will perform live with Adventures in Odyssey actors during the 30th birthday live show. You can get an audition kit and uh, information about how you can submit that to Focus on the Family. The audition period is now open so you are able to record uh, with your kids or your 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 brothers and sisters whoever it is that you want to record with for your chance uh, to win this you can go uh, just go to witsend.org and you can get all the information that you need there just by clicking on the get in the show uh, tab on their home page if you have any questions, you can also reach out to me here at Liberty Baptist Church. You can call us at 702-647-4522. And be sure to join us on Sunday for our morning services at at 930 or 1115. Camp Liberty starts for the kids this Sunday, so be sure to be here for that. Get some cool t-shirts. It's going to be great. I can't wait for my t-shirt. I think it's green. I think I think it is green. And it's. I mean, it's different. I was I was pretty good with the orange T-shirts because I think that orange is a beautiful color. I, I haven't decided yet how I feel completely about this this green shirt, but uh, because I love Jesus, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna you know I'm gonna make it work. Um, anyhow. <laughs> That's all the time we have left for today. Tomorrow, since the audition period is now open for the Get in the Show Adventures in Odyssey contest, we're going to be giving away some Adventures in Odyssey prizes tomorrow for Fun Friday. Be sure to be here for that. You're listening to 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas.